Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to season three, episode 10 of the Average to Elite podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Lowe, and today uh, is a solo episode of the pod where we're going to really delve into the key fundamental principles of fat loss approaches for athletes and non-athletes. So we're going to look at the differences and also the commonalities between the two approaches um, purely because uh, based on the conversations I've had as of late with athletes and many of them are trying to diet to drop body fat as a non-athlete would. So the main kind of difference between I guess an athlete and non-athlete is the performance components of it all. Athletes' primary objective is to perform at the best of their ability. There's no other way of uh, looking at it. So when we look at body composition changes for um, for an athlete, uh, I've done a previous podcast on this in terms of finding the ideal body fat percentage for you, but ultimately uh, it's there to complement performance, not complicate it. So not only in terms of the end result of body composition, uh, but the actual process of it as well, because we know that when we do have a little bit less body fat on us, we are a bit more efficient. So basically every step or pedal stroke we take is a little bit less energy and calorie demanding. Uh, we know that our um, agility improves, our top end speed, acceleration, all this kind of good stuff. But that is ultimately to a certain point, it's like an inverted U. Uh, once you've hit that kind of point or threshold, um, past that peak, then things start to go south because more is not more, leaner is not better. And uh, I've seen so many athletes try to push leaners too much and it's massively compromised uh, their performance, their health, their well-being, and overall quality of life. So what we're going to do is um, kind of going to look at that kind of non-athlete fundamental principles and then uh, move on to the athlete fundamental principles. The reason why we're going to start with the non-athlete is purely because the main kind of principles of this um, is what athletes have to do as well. With athletes, they just got a few more things to account for uh, and a few things to manage purely because we they have that performance component there, right? So if we look at non-athlete fundamental principles, uh, principle number one, um, if we think of this as like a, a pyramid, you've probably seen uh, these kind of diagrams and stuff float around the internet before so right at the bottom you got energy balance right your calorie intake we need to be consuming fewer calories than we expect that is fat loss 101 there's no way around that if you are not dropping body fat right now um you're not in a calorie deficit even though you may think you're in a calorie deficit you're not in a calorie deficit whether this is through um, slight changes in metabolism, so metabolic adaptation, the potentially reduction in need, so you become a little bit more uh, of a sloth, shall we say, a little bit more sedentary and a little bit less active, which is going to compensate energy expenditure, or could be the main uh, overriding factor that um, you're just not tracking your food diligently enough. You may think you're eating 1,500 calories, 2,000, 2,500 calories a day, whatever you're trying to hit, um, but you're eating a lot more, whether that is basically just not importing things into my fitness pile correctly, underestimating portion sizes, uh, forgetting that you've eaten certain foods. We've all been there, forgetting adding that second slice of cheesecake. Uh, you know, we've all been there, right? So ultimately, you're not in a uh, calorie deficit. There's no way around it. So principle number one, 
you need to be in an energy deficit. Uh, there's no way around that. So what the research shows then is that once calories are equated for and accounted for, uh, protein intake is going to be the next uh, thing you need to sort of really address in your diet because we know that higher protein diets within a calorie restriction are going to be more advantageous for fat loss. Essentially, diet-induced diet thermogenesis goes up um, with higher protein diets. So that's essentially the energy required to break down and digest that food. So protein, uh, you're just going to expend a little bit more energy uh, than fat or carbohydrates. So we know that once calories are accounted for, you need to have a loss of protein in your diet. Roughly two grams per kilogram of high quality protein, that'd be absolutely perfect. You don't have to overly complicate it, just aim for high protein, right? Um, and then we're going to look at food quality because, you know, we talk a lot about calories, protein, macronutrients, and all that kind of stuff. But we can't forget about food quality, the vitamins and minerals, the fiber. Like it's so incredibly important for uh, maintaining health, right? Um, like, you know, if it fits in macros kind of approach is pretty much bullshit, right? Uh, we do need to have a high degree of high quality foods in it. I say greater than 80% because uh, we need some flexibility in there with food choices, right? Uh, we can't be 100% perfect because it's not sustainable long-term and, you know, it just can be pretty boring, miserable, bland kind of diet, right? Um, so we know that with any fat loss approach, adherence and consistency is the number one thing. So what you'll see now, the next kind of few steps is personal preference really comes in uh, with regards to fine tuning the actual detail, but we can't ignore that energy balance is number one importance. We need to be in a negative energy balance, shall I say, high protein intake and greater than 80% high quality foods. When I think of high quality foods, I naturally gravitate to uh, fruits and vegetables, and looking to have between eight to 10 portions of fruit and veggies per day on a wide variety of colors. You don't have to overcomplicate it. Like, how do I cook my veg? Do I boil it? Do I bake it? Do I steam it? What's going to give me the best nutrient extraction? Like, if you're focused on that and you're not focused on um, the, the bigger picture, I have not seen the forest for the trees, uh, I energy balance, um, then, you know, you're probably not going to make results. Uh, have results as quickly as you want, right? Um, so don't overcomplicate it, just get your fruit and veggies in, right? And then when we move on to the other kind of uh, factors and components that people may think are overly important, but they really aren't for non-athletes, macronutrient ratios really is personal preference. Once calories are accounted for, then protein, fats and carbs can do whatever they want. The research is quite clear with this personal preference is clear. So whether you want to go uh, low fat, high carb, low carb, high fat, and even distribution of the two, it does not matter at all. It doesn't matter if you want to do keto, it doesn't matter if you want to do carnival zone, you know, it does not matter. Whatever you fancy. If you like having more bread, more pasta, more rice, then having nut butters, avocados, cheese, stuff like that, then you're naturally going to have a higher carb, low fat approach. But if you like having nut butters, nuts, avocados, cheese, stuff like that, high fat kind of um, meats, fish, eggs, then naturally you're going to have to pull down carbohydrates. Something's got to give, or you can have a nice balance between the two. It is pers purely personal preference. Um, you know, the people are mostly arguing over this, like, oh, I'm doing this type of diet, this type of diet. It's absolutely bullshit. Like they need to focus on 
not going to McDonald's three times a week because I haven't prepped the food and they're starving and they're just uh, going through the drive-through on the way home from work. Like, you know, that's what they need to focus on. Like they need to focus on building good, solid eating behaviors and habits, um, not worrying about what the best macronutrient ratio split is, you know. Um, you know, you've got to think of the priorities there, right? So in terms of macronutrient ratios, let your personal preference guide your decision-making process here. And then in terms of meal frequency and meal timing, again, this is personal preference. Assuming that we stay within our calorie budget for the day, we have ample amounts of protein. Uh, we're hitting our eight to 10 portions of veggies a day. It doesn't matter if you get this in one meal, two meals, three meals, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 meals. It's completely up to you, whether you are a grazer or whether you want to have big hits uh, with every single meal. It's personal preference. Like many individuals I'll know, and I'm quite similar, like kind of wake up in the morning, you know, you're out the door, you're doing things, you're super busy, don't have time to think about food. You're flying for the day, doing like work with clients, customers, whatever, don't really have time to think about food. Then when you get home, you're absolutely ravenous and then you tend to typically overeat. So what we would do then is budget and bias a great amount of calories in the evening to support your food focus. Um, so meal frequency, meal timing for fat loss purposes does not matter, but I think it does matter to a huge extent to support your food focus and your desirability to eat. And if you can, you know, match the two up, if you can stay within the calorie budget for the day, but stay somewhat satiated and have um, minimal kind of cravings and things, then, you know, you can be able to adhere to that calorie deficit for a long period of time. You know, if you kind of followed like the hard and fast rule of like, you must have breakfast, you must start your day with a big kind of calorie intake to give you energy for the day. Um, but you got no calories left for the evening. Not only are you most likely going to overeat in the evening and exceed your calorie intake for the day, um, you know, you're not going to make that much progress over a long period of time and you're going to feel pretty demotivated and not really build any momentum or consistency and you're back in square one and kind of another diet failed, you know? So when it comes to meal frequency and timing, it's there to support your preferences again, based on your desirability to eat. So it's kind of just doing a little bit of a, a self-checking throughout the day and just kind of acknowledge when you're hungry um, and when you want to be eating, whether that's mid-afternoon, whether you are a morning person or whether you need to have more food in the evening when you have time to chill out and relax and have a bigger meal. Again, it's kind of knowing yourself and um, as cliche and cheesy as I sound, like know yourself, um, but but it really is. And that's how you can build consistency. I know consistency with, with that consistency, you generate habits and habits are conditioned from repetition, just doing it again and again and again. And you just build this new way of eating. This is like your new norm. And then you're less likely to default or quote unquote fall off the wagon. And last week's um, like incredible um, podcast with Kirk Miller talks so much about how important consistency is throughout the course of the year to stay lean and stay in shape, stay in great shape. Um, so you've just got to find a way that works best for you. And, you know, assuming that you hit those kind of three key core drivers, calories, protein, food quality, you know, the, the rest is kind of is, is up to you really. It really is. And when we think of overall calorie intake, uh, unlike athletes, um, where I put more of an emphasis on a daily calorie intake, uh, I will focus more on a weekly calorie budget for non-athletes. So say, for example, 
you need 2,000 calories a day on average to drop body fat. That's 14,000 calories in the week. Now, how you choose to spend those calories is completely up to you. You know, think of like calories of currency. Like if you had that much of a budget for the week, like ultimately it's up to you how you spend it. As long as you spend that budget by the end of the week and you don't go in any, um, it, you don't overspend, then you're still going to make incredible progress. And this is where you can really balance the social side of things as well. Because I think a lot of individuals kind of go on a diet, uh, they restrict the calories and they feel like I can't go out for food. I can't go out for a couple of drinks. Um, you know, they have to be super strict where it really is not the case at all. Um, as long as the weekly budget is in check and you're still having high protein and high quality foods on a daily basis, then that is ultimately the, the most important thing, right? So say, for example, you need two and a half thousand calories a day uh, to maintain that's 17 and a half thousand calories in the week. Then you have 14,000 calories in the week. Now that's your three and a half thousand calorie deficit. That's your one pound of body fat, i.e. 0.5 kilos. And that's how you can make progress, getting the best of both. What I would avoid doing though is kind of massive peaks and troughs. Like I'm going to eat 500 calories for three days and then I'm going to put all this, that, you know, 3,000 calories I saved on, on Saturday night and go absolutely crazy. Um, ultimately, we don't want that. We don't want peaks and massive peaks and troughs, but we can definitely budget throughout the week, you know, pull a few hundred calories extra throughout the course of the week and put them onto the weekend. You know, calories of currency uh, budget is absolutely key. So in terms of like, the level of energy deficit you can be in. Um, Non-athletes, because they don't have that performance element, you can actually push a little bit more aggressively with a calorie deficit because you don't have as many key performance indicators to you know, just manage. Um, so I would typically say like start 15% calorie deficit, 15, 20%, and then just crack on. Um, you can do more aggressive periods or push out to 30 to 40% if you want to for short periods of time. Um, so that's cool. Like aggressive dieting is cool, but uh, in some time points, uh, but like I say, we want consistency. So I'd much rather you sit in a moderate calorie deficit and do it for a long period of time, as opposed to these like short, sharp kind of sprints. Um, but again, it's completely up to you how you want to do it and how, how you feel is best with regards to your preferences, your lifestyle and so on. There isn't a huge amount of right and wrong, uh, assuming that you're generally in an energy deficit having high pro protein and you're eating high quality foods um so in terms of like my kpis for like a non-athlete um is like you know question one are you dropping body fat if you are and then two are you managing your hunger if you satisfy those two things i you're dropping body fat and your hunger levels are in a good position then you know you're in the green you're winning you don't really have to explore it further than that you don't have to overcomplicate things uh you just need to be consistent uh okay um like in terms of managing hunger ultimately you are going to be a little bit hungry right uh we you know we could definitely budget your food amount within a day to best support your appetite and desirability to eat but ultimately you know, you're in an energy deficit and by some definitions that is under eating, right? Like, you know, if you're burning two and a half thousand calories a day and eat 2000, that's 500 deficit. Your body needs that deficit. And it's like, oh, Chris, um, you, you kind of under eating for seven days in a row here. Maybe we're just going to peak uh, hunger up a little bit so you can replenish some of those stores that we had to dig into. Um, so, you know, hunger is always going to be there, um, but it's just how you manage it. And this is where you, when you get to the business end of diet and phases, you can introduce like diet breaks and all that kind of stuff and the bit of refeeds like, like I covered before. But ultimately, if you're non-athlete and you're satisfying those two things, 
um, then that is absolutely perfect, right? So we can keep that nice and straightforward. Uh, you really don't have to overcomplicate it. You just need to be consistent. Now, athletes require additional layers because, again, they are really focusing on performance. Performance is the primary objective. We can't drop body fat at the expense of performing badly, right? Um, you need to perform. Like, there's no, there's no debate around it. Now, I'll see athletes like try and drop body fat every single day of the week, every single day of the year, whether it's an easy training day, hard training day, competitions, they're trying to drop body fat and ultimately the performance tanks. Um, and then they get in a bad mood, they're frustrated, they're overwhelmed because they're not making any progress. And then they have this kind of fucking mentality. They binge because it's so low on energy uh, and they think, what's the point? Um, I'm never going to get this right. But that's what happens when you try and diet like a non-athlete. Now we need to use some key core principles from what I've just talked about, but add in the extra layers, right? Uh, essentially, you just have more, more trade-offs with each layer, uh, but with each trade-off and layer of flexibility, you get the enhancement in performance, right? And you know, life is ultimately one big compromise, is like uh, as they kind of say, like, I don't know who's quoted it, but, you know, choose your hard, like life is hard, choose which hearts you want, right? So when it comes to athletes, energy balance, a calorie restriction is still the number one priority. There's no way around that. And yes, athletes still have the same issues as non-athletes in terms of level of tracking and knowing actually how much they are eating. Um, sometimes a little bit more difficult because appetite can massively influence um, desirability to eat if they're expending huge amount of calories on a daily basis with, uh, yeah, like periods of like suppressed appetite then rebound appetite. And if they're not fueling properly, then, you know, um, you know, their appetite and desirability to eat can really influence, um, yeah, track and accuracy and overall how many calories they are consuming. But again, if an athlete is not dropping body fat, you, you're not on an energy deficit, like end off, like there's no, further no, no real further discussion beyond that uh based on my experience and all the research out there uh protein still number two 100 we know again it's going to be really beneficial not from like um a diet an elevation of diet induced thermogenesis uh but we know it's going to help with muscle uh remodeling adaptation repair and stuff like that as well so it's going to have that additional benefit too and then again 80 percent greater than 80 percent high quality foods um, we can't just eat Rice Krispie squares all day, every day, no matter how absolutely incredible they are. And yes, Kellogg's, I'm waiting for that sponsorship deal. Um, you know, we can't just rely on them, okay? So high-quality foods is unbelievably important for an athlete because they have greater kind of inflammation, um, you know, oxidative stress, that kind of stuff. We need to have more antioxidants in our diet, i.e. fruits and vegetables to help combat that. So the, the next uh, thing then, macronutrient ratios. For, for non-athletes, I said it doesn't matter. For athletes, so it really, really does. So we know that carbohydrates drive moderate to high-intensity performances. Um, so basically most sports out there, even in endurance-based sports, you can have elements of high intensity efforts in there we need carbohydrates right so within your calorie budget for the day how can we keep carbohydrates as high as possible protein adequate and still we remain within a calorie deficit we have to drop um, dietary fat as a byproduct as a default right 
Um, because if you go high protein, high carb, high fat, you've got too many calories. So something has to give. So with dietary fat, we obviously we, we don't want to run it into the floor. So it's not a no fat diet. It's just a low fat diet because we need some dietary fat for like normalizing physiological functioning and stuff like that. Um, so uh, lads, 0.5 gram per kilo. Um, ladies, 0.75 grams uh, per kilo. They're kind of the lower ends. So once you've got your calories fixed, again, high protein, to 2.5 gram per kilogram. Don't really have to overly complicate that as long as it's coming from high quality protein sources. Um, then set your fat goal, then push in the remainder of calories via carbohydrates. At the start um, of a dieting phase, if you're running a moderate deficit, 10, 15%, which I kind of recommend, um, you know, you can pretty much be sitting near kind of maintenance carbohydrate intake, which, which is pretty good. Um, but during the kind of the business end of a fat loss phase, when you pull in body fat down and you have to uh, bring your calories down as well, you know, you can't pull protein down because it can be really protect protective of the muscle uh, and offset muscle mass. So it's really beneficial for muscle mass bearing, decreased muscle breakdown. Uh, you can't pull fat down anymore, dietary fat that is. So by default, you're going to have to pull some carbohydrates and that's where uh, performance is going to start to decline. So, and that's where we need to be monitoring those, those KPIs we talked about quite a lot before. So we have to go high carb, low fat. So that in itself will massively um, restrict the amount of foods you have available at your disposal. So, you know, if, um, you know, if you were 80 kilos, the lower end, 40, 50 grams of fat, and you put in 200 grams of salmon uh, for your evening meal, you know, you're pushing, uh, you know, like 20 grams of fat straight away from that. So even like the healthy fats will have to come down a little bit. Like you will have to sort of make compromises uh, in some way, shape or form. There is some food choices, right? Uh, meal frequency does matter, not necessarily directly for fat loss purposes, but more so for optimizing muscle protein synthesis. Again, muscle protein synthesis is the process of which we build, remodel and grow muscle tissue. Um, so we know we need high protein, but it makes more sense uh, to evenly distribute protein throughout the day. So you have maybe between four to six protein hits, because you know with every protein hit, we're going to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. And every opportunity we have to stimulate muscle protein synthesis, we have an opportunity for it to exceed muscle protein breakdown and therefore spare muscle mass and retain it um, during this kind of dieting phase, right? Because you know that an energy deficit is a, a very catabolic process. So we need high protein, high weight training stimulus as a large anabolic stimulus to overcome that, right? So meal frequency is important um, for an athlete. And then we need to look at, um, so like the periodization of carbohydrates within the day so this is otherwise known as carb coding um so like i mentioned with meal frequency and meal timing for non-athletes is very much directed with personal preference based on their hunger but this is now for athletes based on their training because we know that if we're having reduced amounts of carbohydrates in the diet how can we use those carbohydrates the best we can and it's basically by saturating the session with carbohydrates, so big carb emphasis before, maybe even carbs during based on the session demand, and then big carbs after, then taper off if it's a morning session, for example. Um, the only downside for that is that if your food focus is only heightened in the evening and you use a huge amount of your carb budget in the morning to support performance, 
that's the trade-off you have. You might just be a little bit more hungry in the evening. Um, uh, likewise, if, for example, you have an evening session, you're going to have a large carb emphasis in the evening and less in the morning. So if your food focus is higher in the morning, then that's where you're going to be a little bit more hungry because all the majority of your calories are um, biased towards the evening. But if you're like myself who trains in the evening and has heightened food focus in the evening, absolutely perfect. That is the absolute dream outcome. Um, but if you are a person who has heightened food focus away from the session, um, you know, it might be a case of you just need to rob uh, a few carbohydrates from the recovery or from the fueling um, or um, to help support the food focus. So you've got a little bit of a compromise there. But if the calorie deficit is, is moderate and manageable, it shouldn't be too much of an issue. The only time it is a large issue is when people like athletes go into it too aggressively and the deficit is too big and uh, they don't fuel the sessions properly. They dig themselves into a massive hole and then that's when they end up overeating and binging. So it's not really an issue with like carb timing. It's actually carb amount uh, that's going to drive like cravings and, and overeating, like, you know, endurance athletes, you're going to be able to relate to this. Um, you know, you go into a session thinking that, oh, I'm going to burn, I don't know, 1,500 calories in this session, absolutely great. You eat nothing going into it or hard anything. You don't really put any carbohydrates in during. You withhold carbohydrates after. You put yourself into a massive hole. Um, you know, you're probably in like a 2,000-calorie deficit by the time you hit lunch or plus, and then ultimately you're massively depleted and your food focus goes to the roof to kind of get you out of that hole. And not only do you end up um, replenishing 100%, but you end up overeating and therefore you wipe out your energy deficits and, you know, you're in a, a far worse place than you, you ever need to be, right? So sometimes putting in, or most of the time, putting in more fuel, more carbohydrates uh, is going to help manage your food focus at the back end of the day and help you not only perform better, but stay in a deficit as well. Uh, so that's absolutely key. And then we've got to look at band uh, periodization of the course of the week. So like, like I mentioned at the start, athletes will follow a non-athlete approach and just kind of stay in a deficit seven days out of seven if they can. Um, but we know that with a calorie deficit, you're going to have, you're going to experience compromises in performance. Um, there's no way around it that that's essentially what happens. So if you're looking at peak performance on the weekend and you're running a calorie deficit, you know, it's absolutely futile. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, you know, um, that's not the right way to do it. And again, what will end up happening is that you have a massive expenditure. You're trying to run a deficit and then you play or race like absolute dog shit and you end up binging in the evening anyway. So not only do you overeat calories uh, as a byproduct, you have a poor performance anyway. So it's, it's ridiculous. Um, so what you do, you split your week up into two phases say you're racing or playing on uh, a Sunday, you'll do Monday to Friday. This is body composition focus. Monday to Friday, I'm running the energy deficit, and this is where I'm going to make large strides in body fat loss. The weekend, race day or game day minus one, you carb up. Race day or game day, you hit calorie maintenance, and then you drop in back into the deficit the following day if recovery allows it or recovery state allows it. Um so you basically are like pushing and pulling, right? Monday to Friday, I'm pushing with fat loss. Come to the weekend, I'm going to pull back on that. And then performance is going to take a higher priority. So yes, it takes a little bit longer because um, you have 
two days out of the week where you're not on a calorie deficit, essentially. Again, you're not going in excess. You're not eating huge amounts of um, calories in a, in a surplus. It's going to take your um, weekly calorie budget out of check. Um, but you are going to be kind of having this kind of blast and cruise approach across the course of the week. Now, what you could do if you have performance um, demands on the weekend, you could run a bigger energy deficit throughout the week to uh, just uh, keep the higher rates uh, of fat loss on a weekly basis. But just appreciate if you're going hard Monday to Friday, that's where your KPIs are going to go south a little bit. So if you're willing to tolerate worse performance and KPIs throughout the course of the week to ensure you have higher rates of fat loss, but still perform incredibly well on the weekend when you go into that performance phase, then that is absolutely cool. So again, it's based on, you know, um, th those KPIs, you know, your physical and mental performance throughout the week, your desirability to eat, your recovery, your fatigue, fatigue levels, mood, libido, sleep, and uh, all that kind of stuff, right? So if they're in the shit zone uh, throughout the course of the week, you're probably going to be a little bit too aggressive with the um, sort of like the calorie, the calorie deficit, right? Over the course of the week, even with like competitions on the weekend, we're looking about 0.5%, maybe 1% loss in body fat uh, by via body mass uh, drop. So it's kind of a, a slow approach. But again, um, if we think of like athletic development, you know, it's not like a, a four-week cut, right? This is something you do over a long period of time and do things ultra consistently. Um, so, and then over the course of a season, you know, you made incredible amount of progress and you are completely different after you're completely transformed, but the, you just need to be ultra consistent. Um, and that's where the planning comes into it as well. Highly, highly important. So looking at your training week, when am I pushing? When am I pulling? When can I put more carbohydrates in or more calories? When can I pull less? And then you're literally just fine tuning to ensure you're protecting performance KPIs while still dropping a good amount of uh, body fat, right? Um, ultimately, we don't want to just run calories super low. Like we're not we're not bodybuilders, okay? Uh, we got those KPIs and performance elements to really protect. Um, so one of the issues then is like, right, if you're an athlete, you're in a drop body fat, you're performing on the weekend and you have a social as well. Uh, ultimately, uh, we can't have everything right. Something's got to give. So we can have um, performance and we can have fat loss, but not necessarily the social. We can have fat loss and the social, but not necessarily the performance. Or we can have the performance and the social, but not necessarily the fat loss because there's only so many calories we have to kind of budget and allocate for different things, right? Like if we're going super low throughout the week uh, to budget calories for social and then budget calories for um, like a sporting event, ultimately that's going to take you up to a calorie maintenance at the end of the week. Realistically, you're not going to be in the deficit. So managing expectations uh, is just really, really important. Like if you got a fat loss goal, you're playing on the weekend, the racing, and you got a big piss up as well, realistically on the Monday, you're not going to be making progress, right? So you just got to manage expectations there. And, you know, if your, you know, actions aren't in line with your expectations, then you get frustrated. So you need to kind of set yourself realistic targets for every single week. It's like, right, what's the desired outcome for this week? What does that look like? Is this a fat loss week? Perfect. Is it like, right, a really, really important week for performance where I can't be in a deficit? then it's a performance week. Is it a maintenance week because you've got a social on it? 
and you have to budget calories accordingly. You know, again, it's just defining the weeks. And if you can define them, you've got an objective to work towards and you can plan for it accordingly. And then when you zoom out and look at how many weeks you're focusing on fat loss, you know, maintenance, performance, that's when you can kind of, um, you know, put the puzzle together and see how you're uh, progressing over time. Um, and then what, what I typically look to do um, in, in terms of the fat loss supplements side of things, um, there's two things I really look look at here. Um, so creating a beta alanine just to really kind of protect performance. We know that with an energy deficit uh, and the slight carbohydrate restriction as well, you can have deficits in your performance. So this kind of just helps uh, fill in the gaps a little bit there. And you can also do a little bit like carb mouth, for instance, for increased like neural output and increased kind of neural drive. So th there's some nice stuff around there where you just get like a Luke's A sport, like a carbohydrate drink, swill in your mouth for 10 seconds, spit it out, and then you get like a little bit of a, a kind of an increase in like uh, neural output and muscle performance there. Not overly necessary, but it's a nice strategy if you feel like you need it. Um, and in terms of like fat loss supplements, uh, like fat loss specific supplements, I the ones that say that will help you directly drop body fat. I'll kind of leave you with this quote. Um, if they work, they're banned. And if they're not banned, they don't fucking work. So the ones you see in the supplement shops, on the shelves, on the internet, the ones that spam you with adverts, promising you they'll help you drop body fat, it's bullshit. They, they do not work. Um, and if they do, they are 100% banned and you can't take them anyway. So hopefully um, that helps with regards to kind of seeing the differences between a non-athlete fat loss diet or fat loss approach and an athlete specific fat loss approach. There's just a few more layers you need to account for to ensure that performance and KPIs are monitored a, a lot better. Um, and with these extra layers, it just comes like an extra level of planning. If you want to do all this and really like fine tune and maximize everything, like you, you can't, you really just can't do it reactively. You just can't go through the day just scanning stuff on my fitness pal or just having, you know, X, Y, Z ad hoc. Like you, you, there's some serious planning in there, you know? Um, and this is why I get my, all my athletes to do like start of the week, you know, you're forecasting the week ahead. What are my training demands? What's my outcomes look like? Um, where, what's my calorie deficit going to be on a daily basis based on the outcomes I need to achieve? And what one point that I forgot to mention, actually, um, and I don't know why this is, but athletes love, like, just eating 2,000 calories. Like, oh, I'm in a fat loss phase, I'm going to eat 2,000 calories. You know, it's, it's bullshit. Like, where have you got this number from? Like everyone is like, I've worked with like 140 kilo rugby player before. Like, yeah, yeah, Chris, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat 2,000 calories today. It's like, why? It's like you're burning like 4,000. Like, don't, <laughs> like, don't do that. Um, so we're looking at being in a, a relative energy deficit on a daily basis. Okay, so like I mentioned, we want to be in about 10, 15 percent deficit day, day about. So if you burn 2,000 calories a day. Is 10, 15% off that. If you burn 3,000, it's 10, 15% off that. If you burn 4,000, it's 10, 15% off that. 5,000, you get the point. So it's a relative energy deficit on a daily basis. You're not just going to run a flat calorie intake, you know, throughout the course of the training week. Because some days maybe in a 200 calorie deficit, the other days might be in a 1500 calorie deficit. And on those 1500 calorie deficits, I can guarantee you will feel like shit. Your KPIs are going to be through the floor. And therefore, affects consistency 
and overall kind of sustainability of the approach you are taking. So please be mindful of that. You do not need to eat 2000 calories every single day. Um, I don't know where this absolute kind of figure come from. It's relative based on your level of expenditure. And ultimately that number 10, 15% depends on how well you're progressing, where your KPIs are and how well you are tolerating the dieting phase at that moment in time. Okay. So I'll leave you with that. Hope that was helpful. Um, I know based on the recent conversations I had, I've had uh, going into spring and the summer months, it seems like as the sun comes out, everyone thinks about fat loss. And that's uh, basically a lot of the conversations I've had and just kind of been able to differentiate between the two approaches so that athletes can fine tune their approach and uh, you know just maximize performance whilst dropping body fat slowly. And as a keyword, slowly, it's not a three-week cut, it's not a four-week cut, it's not a you know a, a two-week transformation, you know, it's not a, a juice diet or any bullshit like that. It's a long-term athletic development plan. Okay. Like you know, you should have a good idea in terms of what excellence looks like in your sport. You know, do a needs analysis, what's that look like? And then work back. This could be a six-month project, 12, two years, five years, 10 years, depends on your age and your time frame, right? And the, the standard you want to get to. You do not need to rush this. You need to be consistent, okay? And uh, just showing up and doing it most of the time, right? Uh, so that'd be incredibly important. So guys, I'm going to love you, love you <laughs> and leave you. Uh, any questions, queries, comments, anything you wish to discuss or explore, best place to find me is on Instagram DMs. So just uh, search at Chris Lowe Nutrition or the Athlete Nutrition Coach. Um, drop me a DM and happily help uh, you with this um, and discuss um, any kind of dieting approaches and programs and, and stuff like that. So guys, until next time, goodbye.